Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright podcast for September 27th, 2021. I'm Jay Greg Nanny. Here joining me this week is Ian Saunders. And um, hard to believe we're, we're here uh, at the end of September, just a few trading days left in the month of September. And I think a lot of investors out there uh, will welcome a turn of the calendar to the month of October, as is typically the case. I mean, we, we've talked on these podcasts before. September typically is... Uh, the worst year on record for the S&P 500. It has not disappointed so far this year. Nothing major from a, a decline perspective. You saw the market pull back a bit early on in the month after hitting a new high on the uh, just on the first couple trading days of September. Market pullback has seemed to find some find some support, recover here over the past couple of weeks, and and uh, we haven't clawed back all of the gains in September as as we're recording this through last Friday's action. The S&P 500 is still down about a percent and a half uh, so far for the month with just a few trading sessions left to go. Uh, so we'll see. So, I mean, from that perspective, in a lot of ways, you've seen, you know, very, very typical month of September that has seen a bit of volatility come back into the market, which is uh, very often the case uh, around this time of year. Um, and But certainly this this September has been arguably very different than many past, just in a lot of different respects. And so what we wanted to do today is dig in a little bit in terms of you know some some pretty notable changes, pretty notable breakouts uh, from a couple areas, uh, one being the interest rate picture, you know the inflationary story continues to uh, shine through and continues to come out as we see more and more numbers as we can continue to see. Uh, you know, new, new economic data come out month after month that seemingly continues to point towards, uh, you know, in prices increasing, inflationary rising. And we've seen that uh, most recently, too, uh, with relate as it relates to just interest rates. If you look at a chart of the, the 10-year yield index, so TNX is a chart of the 10-year yield index, after rallying pretty sharply early in the year, the yields got up to, to 1.7, about 1.7% on the 10-year. Uh, over the course of the past couple months and, and really through the, through summer, uh, interest rates consolidated. They pulled back, they consolidated a bit and developed some pretty notable resistance on the chart. And just recently, as a matter of fact, just last week, we've seen that chart, the TNX chart, break out to the upside for the first time in a while with the move to 1.4. And as we're recording this on Friday, uh, interest rates have gone back up and actually touched 1.5% on the 10-year yield index. So uh, still relative to just historical interest rates, interest rates are, uh, are still relatively low. However, we certainly have seen those increase. I mean, you go back even just a year ago, 12 months ago, and we were looking at, at uh, interest rates below 1%. So you know, we've certainly come a long way but, uh, but for all accounts, interest rates remain low, but certainly the trend of those interest rates has turned positive and the trend of those rates, you know, moving higher. And so, Ian, that just, you know, begs the question as we, we look out at the markets and you look at all of the, you know, the the news that's out there, you look at all of the you know, inflationary data that's out there, you look at the fact that interest rates are rising. And, you know, then you, you look at, you know, what areas of the market tend to hold up better, or tend to be pretty decent inflationary hedges. Um, you know, certainly bonds wouldn't be an area as interest rates rise. Bonds are going to be negatively impacted by that. But typically, you, you look at areas like equities and you look at areas like uh, alternative assets and, and commodities, and those two areas tend to be pretty decent uh, 
over time, pretty decent hedges against inflation. Um, and if you kind of zero in on that and look at you know, the, the commodity-related equities, you know that's hitting a, a sweet spot there between your your more traditional commodities and your equity markets. Absolutely, there, Jay. And I mean, this is not the certainly not the first time this year we've seen interest rates try to push higher. And in, in looking at um, a trailing 90-day time frame, so looking at this most recent attempt to kind of break out and break through higher, which we ended up were able to break through last week um, for the 10-year, we can look at a, a trailing 90-day correlation between uh, the between TNX and then the broad spider sector funds. I'm using those as kind of the, the equity sector representatives. Um, and in doing so, we see that financials, unsurprisingly, is, is the most positively correlated towards the upwards movement there for, for treasury yields for interest rates, um, specifically their TNX. It, it not significantly, not an extremely positive correlation, but it is a, about 0.55 there from, a, from the correlation coefficient standpoint. Um, energy is, is going to be the, the second um, the second highest there from a broad sector standpoint um, with about a 0.52 positive correlation. Um, and those are going to be the only the only sectors there represented in that trailing 90-day time frame um, above 0.5 from a correlation standpoint. Um, and so in, in looking at some of that recent movement, we've seen obviously energy continues to, to sit in the last ranked position in Dolly. Um, we've seen the energy sector move quite a bit um, throughout this year, kind of a roller coaster ride throughout the year, if you will, um, going from last to first to back to last to back higher, and now sitting back down there in that last position. Um, we've seen a few kind of broader energy representatives hold up a little bit better from a broad fund perspective. Um, the energy sector on the asset class group scores, for instance, didn't see as much deterioration as we did the strictly relative strength based picture. Um, the energy natural resources group on the asset class group scores page um, still sits in generally favorable score territory um, when compared to all 135 groups, still still not quite as high as most of the other domestic equity sectors. Um, but as average, the average energy fund is a fund score of about 3.76. So still generally higher than we've seen in, um, and, and moved throughout the year. And it's it's increased significantly over the course of the past few weeks here um, from a, an average score south 3.5 back above that 3.5 to that 3.76 reading now. Um, when looking at some of the individual representatives within that energy space, though, kind of focusing on that that recent move there for energy, um, we've seen a little bit more significant upside move um, from more focused energy funds, like specifically the oil and gas exploration and production ETF there from, from Spider, uh, ticker XOP, um, has a, a recent fund score posting of 4.31, sitting there on three consecutive buy signals dating back toward the end of August. Um, and for comparative purposes, the, the energy broader energy fund from Spider ticker XLE um, has just gotten back above that 3.0 threshold to average score 3.09. Um, went back to a buy signal there last week um, and is also pushing higher, broke a spread quadruple top there at the movement last week. But we have seen a little bit more consistent move from that that, that more kind of focused oil and glass, gas expiration production, the XOP. So should we continue to see energy tick a little bit higher? Should the rates continue to affect as we've seen earlier this year? Um, that that area would, would certainly be an interesting point to continue to uh, continue to keep an eye out there for, for further improvement from a relative strength perspective and, Jay, from the, from the absolute strength perspective we've seen. 
You know, I think that's a good point, Ian, when, when you think about exposure to energy and, and how to gain exposure and ways to do it through individual stocks or funds or ETFs, you know, not all are created equal, in the, especially in the energy space. And you think about something like an XLE, which is just the uh, broad energy select sector spider, that is very cap weighted in nature. And about 45% of the movement of XLE is going to be directly attributable to Exxon and Chevron, those two companies, those two stocks make up about 45% of the movement of XLE. And, and um, that's, you know, not good, bad, or indifferent. It's, it is what it is. It's just understanding, you know, what's underneath it there. I mean, XLE, from a relative strength perspective, it's, a, it, it's got a, a score above three. It's in a positive trend. Um, so it is considered technically sound. Is it the strongest ETF in, in that group? No. Um, there's certainly ETFs and, and like some of the exploration areas that are stronger from a relative strength perspective. So as you're looking through some of those energy names, um, that is just something to keep in the back of your mind as, as you're evaluating some of those. Um, I mean, the, the month of September, you mentioned the, the energy uh, is the best performing sector on a year-to-date basis, although it has been a bit volatile, uh, as well as financials would be the second best. So it's interesting to see that those are also the two sectors that are most highly correlated to uh, interest rate movements themselves. Uh, energy in the month of September was one of just two sectors that was actually up uh, in, in the month of September. So, you know, interesting picture there as it relates to energy. Um, but I, I think it's also mentioning too, it's not just the, the equity side of the equation. You're seeing um, strength, continued strength within some of the energy-related commodities, uh, biggest obviously being crude oil, which is now pushing back close to $75 a barrel. Um, as we're as we're looking at this today, uh, crude oil um, pushing up above $75. Um, for, and that goes back a couple months. July was the last time we were up at $75. So um, that'll be interesting to watch to see if we're able to get above that July high, which was uh, right at 75. We're just above that right now. Um, and that certainly has, um, you know, downstream impacts uh, on, on ETFs that utilize or gain exposure to uh, crude oil, whether it's uh, USO, which is the United States Oil Fund, um, uh, ticker USO, that has recently broken out. Interestingly enough, that has broken out above the July highs. And so that is certainly one uh, one ETF. There's a number of different ETFs that you can utilize to gain exposure to uh, to crude oil or some of the other areas within the commodity space and ener energy specifically. I mean, uh, while crude is the biggest and, and certainly the one that gets the most uh, publicity, um, natural gas has uh, been extremely strong. Uh, as it relates to what natural gas has done this year. I mean, natural gas prices are up over 100% uh, this year, and they're not too far off those highs um, from right now. So, you know, really across the board, as you look at uh, the energy space and the commodity theme, um, you're really seeing continue to see strength in the energy, energy equities uh, as well as the energy commodities uh, right now. Absolutely. And, um, you know, again, that's, that goes back to the idea of, you know, interest rates moving higher, certainly around the inflationary uh, environment, the commodities uh, area of the market, commodities as an asset class is something that historically um, has, has been utilized and can be utilized as, as an inflationary hedge. But, but again, so have equities, you know, and just, you know, on the surface, if you look at just the broad equity market, uh, the strength specifically within energy is, is not going to um, come through as much as it otherwise would in something like the S&P 500, just because the energy weighting in that, in that index is, is relatively small, about 2.5%. Um, with that being said, though, you're, you're still seeing, uh, by and large, the S&P 500 
is in a positive trend. We saw a pullback almost 5% uh, back in September, not on a closing basis. Intraday, you got a 5% pullback. Um, but you're continuing to see the long-term trend of these major equity indexes um, continue to be positive uh, as we move forward uh, through almost getting through the month of September and heading into the month of October here at the end of this week, which will, uh, is the last month, October being the last month of what is typically known as the seasonally weak period. So uh, it's a month that historically has brought with it some, some volatility, uh, historically not as much as September, but certainly something to keep, keep in mind and keep in, uh, in the back of your head as we move into the month of October. But with that said, uh, we'll continue to uh, look for prevailing market winds, whether they're at our backs or in our face, as we move through this, this market. Um, and we'll be sure to keep you up to date uh, via these podcasts, via our daily equity and market report, as well as our Wednesday uh, analyst rundown calls that, that take place and get recorded every Wednesday each week. So uh, with that said, thank you as always for joining us and look forward to talking to you next week.